Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. Asia-Pacific shares are starting this Monday morning out on a mixed note following another session of record gains on Wall Street on Friday. Seoul is up 0.4%. Sydney in the green as well, but Tokyo is trading lower. So what is on investors' radars for the week ahead? Joining me to answer this question, break down all the market action. He is back from his weekend looking really fresh. How are you doing, Ryan Huang? Hey, Michelle. How was your weekend? Really good, but you know, being on the roads is like being on an obstacle course. Also, it's a jungle out there. <laughs> well, with more people going back to the office, I guess it can only go up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Now, as we speak, Singapore and Malaysia's largest private nursing home operator, Econ Healthcare, is listing shares on the Catalyst Board this morning. The IPO ceremony is taking place now. The public portion of the public offering was nearly 87 times oversubscribed. Now, this is not the first time that Econ Healthcare has listed on the Singapore Exchange. It actually traded on the Catalyst Board once before, but it delisted back in 2012 because of low liquidity. So so Ryan, do we know why Econ Healthcare has decided to go public again? And what makes it think it's going to have more success this time around? Okay, so looking at what we have so far in terms of details, mm. it seems like they want to use the proceeds for expansion. So they think the time is right for them to get more money for expansion. So really ramping up fundraising efforts through the capital markets. And in this case, they are hoping to get $11.5 million in terms of proceeds, net proceeds. And this will go towards expanding in China, as well as using the proceeds to upgrade existing centers and facilities and also for general working capital. So they think this is a time to ramp up because after COVID-19, they feel perhaps that things are in place for it to really be in a good footing and maybe not have to be so conservative as before. And this Econ Healthcare actually is the largest private nursing home operator in Singapore and Malaysia. And like you pointed out, nearly 87 times subscribed. That is really reflecting the strong interest and demand that retail investors are thinking mm. has a lot of growth in terms of of this industry and the company. So looking like it might be off to a good start today. Econ Healthcare operates 11 Medicare centres and nursing homes, seven here in Singapore, three in Malaysia, one in China. The demographics for a company like this, pretty good. Singapore has an ageing population and nursing homes are not as taboo as they once were. But there have also been cases of neglect in the news in Econ Healthcare facilities as a result of understaffed and overworked nurses. So what What's the take on the company's business? Yeah, there's a bit of a mixed bag when it comes to pros and cons. So like you pointed out, in Singapore, it's tough to run a business. You've got labor costs to work with. That always goes up. And as a business owner, you have to really manage this very well, especially in this industry where it's a bit of a specialized uh, position. So you have to make sure you have enough worse, uh, nurses, not just making sure you have enough, paying them enough and making sure they are not overworked because that will eventually lead to quality of a business and in a way how much it can grow. Also, you have to look at how the other costs you have to take care of. And if you look at the numbers that they have put out in terms of um, their revenues and profits, they have actually been seeing a steady decline in the past two years or 
three years. So that is something that has been supported by government grants. So a bit skewed if you look at how grants have been helping to support the private nursing industry and the company. So if you look at how the job support scheme and foreign worker levy rebates have been supporting the company, that is something you have to take into account that these support measures might not be there forever. So as a an investor, you have to take note of what you are getting into. But at the same time, if you think about the demand for mm. these services, it does promise to see a lot of growth in future because of the aging population picture in Singapore and pretty much across Asia. That is a business that is likely to see more demand on the road. Absolutely. We'll check back to see how Econ Healthcare is trading this morning in just a little while. But first, a question for you, the listener. What do you think is performing better overall? Is it SPACs or traditional IPOs? There's been so much excitement, right, in the media about the SPACs, the so-called blank check companies being used as a vehicle for those backdoor listings, like Grab's listing on the NASDAQ last week. But do SPACs actually provide better returns for investors? Ryan, what's the verdict? (laughs) If you think about what been happening in the headlines that you read, you might think SPACs are leading the way, but that is not the case. So looking at what we have right now, SPACs have been returning on average 1.2% so far. And if you look at how regular IPOs have been performing, they have been gaining 36%. So SPACs are really lagging big time when it comes to at least performance so far. And one of the reasons is there's just too much supply. Just uh, this year alone, there have been more than 330 SPACs in the US. And they add to the supply, the pool of already nearly 300 SPACs, all of them looking for a merger partner. So you can imagine they have a bit of a limited runway or timeline to execute a merger. Otherwise, they have to give back all the investments. So there may be a bit of a ticking clock in two or three years' time when you see all these specs rushing to try to find a partner, trying to find a marriage. So you could see them being driven to get lower than desired quality acquisitions. That is a big concern. And of course, this could have ripple effects on the growth potential and outlook for specs and just become a negative spiral. So this is something to watch if you are looking for bubbles happening. Yeah, new, not necessarily better than old. Old school IPOs, vastly outperforming SPACs, at least in terms of those initial returns. SPACs are up only about 1% above their offer prices. IPOs, they're trading more than 35% higher. Now let's turn to the cryptocurrency markets. Bitcoin and other cryptos took a pounding over the weekend. After soaring to record highs last week, Bitcoin fell as much as 20% before rallying a bit. Ryan, it can be hard sometimes, you know, to pin down what exactly is driving these crypto swings, but there are a couple of theories behind this weekend's drop. Possible culprits include fears of a bursting bubble, a hangover from Coinbase's IPO, and concerns about government regulation. We're going to take each of these briefly in turn. So first up, Ryan, what are some of the latest signs that the crypto market could be in the midst of a bubble? Yeah, Michelle, I'm not sure if anyone should be surprised anymore by what's happening in the crypto world. These wild price swings. Over the weekend, we had Bitcoin plunging nearly 15%. Right now, it's 
pet losses to be down by around 5% and trading around $57,000. And look at Ether, that was down nearly 18%. And now pet losses to just around 3%, trading at just over $2,200. So you are looking at a big pullback by these big cryptocurrency coins. And this apparently comes off the back of a couple of things. One of the main speculated reasons is how there are reports coming out that the US might be cracking down on the industry because of what's happening in terms of money laundering concerns. So that is one reason. And talking about signs of a bubble, Dogecoin, that has risen big time. Just last Wednesday, it was at around 10 cents for the first time. And right now, it's above 31 cents. And if you think about big thing about Dogecoin and fundamentals, there is really no fundamentals, even less so than Bitcoin. You can't really use Dogecoin to buy anything these days, not as much as Bitcoin even. And this is really causing concern, raising concerns that if Dogecoin, something that everyone's trying to bet on, could increase in value, that is a sign of a bubble happening. When is the music going to stop? So that is really one of the big reasons, I guess, why there is more concern now when you look at how some coins, at least with, few, uh, with um, weaker fundamentals, are also joining the bandwagon. Yeah, Dogecoin hit all-time high of 45 cents last week and then dropped as low as 24 cents this weekend. So what a range, right? Up 400% at one point last week. All right, how about Coinbase? Uh, its IPO last week warmly welcomed by the markets. The cryptocurrency trading platform has a market cap larger than the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ and Coinbase's shares are currently up about 6% in after-hours trades. So how might Coinbase's debut be linked to this crypto sell-off? That's right. So if you cast your mind back, you actually had cryptocurrencies having a big run-up in the lead-up to the Coinbase listing last Thursday. So just for comparison, uh, just to bring you back in time a bit, you've got Bitcoin at around $52,000 per coin sometime in early March or rather late March. And then sometime before the Coinbase listing, it rose up to around $60,000 or so. So that is a big run-up in terms of Bitcoin. And of course, around the excitement, how Bitcoin is becoming more mainstream, so that narrative really engaging investors and traders. And then after the listing, you started to see that run out of steam, just people taking profit, just getting out of markets for various reasons. So that is one thing to look out mm. for in the crypto world, how there may be some buzz now fading around the crypto world with the Coinbase listing effect out of the equation. Uh, if you look at Coinbase itself, that stock price on day one was up around 6%, or rather it was up 6% on day two. And that's after falling on day one by 1.7%. So Coinbase itself has been quite volatile. So that's one thing you track as well. But one thing mm. to support investors or believers behind the cryptocurrency world is how ARK Invest by Cathy Woods has been buying more of the shares of Coinbase last Friday. So she is pretty much doubling down on crypto and that could be something to lift markets even more in the crypto side. Yeah. Coinbase's CEO Brian Armstrong, though, telling reporters last week that government regulation is one of the biggest threats to the crypto markets, right up there with cybersecurity, and it seems that many traders agree. So what's the latest on this front? 
Well, that has been a long time coming, right? If you look at how regulations have been trying to catch up with the digital world, not just in crypto, but in taxes, in cross-border transfers, it's just a matter of time before you have more regulations for the crypto world. And this is something that has now come back around to really just be part of the conversation when you look at the bubble concerns that are happening and how the U.S. is trying to push more policy scrutiny, that is now starting to, I guess, get investors a bit more measured when it comes to expanding or looking into what's happening in the crypto world. But it is interesting how different countries are looking at this differently, some of them more receptive and actually looking into having their own digital coins or digital currencies at least, whereas some companies or some countries are banning them outright. So a very big contrast when it comes to cryptocurrencies, you don't have a unanimous or consensus approach yet. Despite all these concerns, bursting bubbles, Coinbase hangover, there's re- concerns about regulation, buyers appear to be stepping back into the markets. Following the weekend's tumble, at least they're pulling their toes in the water, putting their toes in the water. Ethereum, I see trading back above the 2200 US dollar mark. Bitcoin, a notch about uh, 56,200. I want to turn to equity markets now. U.S. companies in the midst of earnings season. So, Ryan, what do investors have on their radars for the week ahead? Well, it has to be earnings because last week we really kicked things off with banks and banks had a good showing. So, really painting a picture of a bouncing back economy and that is going to be the time that raises pretty much most companies. And if you look at what's happening this week, It heats up on the earnings front with the likes of Coca-Cola, IBM, United Airlines. We will also get a bit of a snapshot of what's happening in the Netflix world. They will be releasing earnings tomorrow night. So that is going to paint a picture of how they are going to be coping post-COVID-19 bounce because people are watching now to see if those growth numbers are sustainable Mm. with people going back to the office and not staying at home as much. And another one to watch out for this week is Intel. Earnings out on Thursday night. And this is around the story of the chip-making space where there's now a global shortage. And looking at how they might be expanding more into other areas such as Asia and also into the foundry business model. Mm. So all these really painting a more detailed and colourful picture around the US economy per se. Yep. And on that note, the S&P 500 is trading at a record high, a little bit shy of the 4,200 mark, the index, about 11% up since the beginning of the year. A number of bullish analysts have indicated that they think there is still more upside for the S&P 500. The investment bank, Federated Hermes, for example, is predicting it will hit 4,500 by July. Now, there's several other headlines, Ryan, I'd like to cover with you this morning. And for that, we're going to turn to a Monday morning game of up or down. I name an asset or item in the news. Ryan tells us which way it's moving. Are you ready, Ryan? Uh, Let's go. GameStop. I would go even up for this one. That's because one of his biggest fans, or at least one of the biggest, (laughs) highest profiles names in the space, Roaring Kitty. So he's one of the the, um, guys behind why GameStop shot up so much. He's Mm. a very followed YouTuber and he has kind of 
put even more down on GameStop by buying even more shares. So he had some options on the stock and he exercised it at a strike price of $12 to buy 50,000 more shares of GameStop. So that really shows how committed he is. Instead of taking profit right now, he is buying more GameStop shares. That's it. I go up as well. Uh, Roaring Kitty back in action. I mean, he's a man who helped spur the whole me movement, right? He could have cashed in his options on Friday. And if he had, he would have made 7 million US dollars. But no, he reinvested that money in GameStop. And let's see what Roaring Kitty's um, actions now are going to do for it. Next up, how about Ty Bev, Ryan? All right, Thai Bev would be a down for me, and that is because it has deferred its proposed spin-off and listing of its subsidiary Beer Co. in view of the current uncertain market conditions and volatile outlook. And this is something they did allude to that this listing and spin-off might not happen, um, and this is something that now has come to pass Gosh. because of what's happening in the market situation. They feel it's not the time yet, especially in Thailand, where you have. Also, in many other markets and countries, the situation around COVID-19 is still not stable yet. So perhaps down the road. Well, that was a much-awaited spin-off, Beer Co. That's been postponed for now. So down for me as well. Next up, uh, the Chinese yen. Okay, so this would be an up for me. And this is because over the weekend, you have the central bank vice governor for China, uh, Li Bo. He was at the Boao Forum in Hainan saying that they will be expanding its digital yuan experiments to more cities. So they actually last year launched it in several cities, including Suzhou and Shenzhen, and now they have ambitions and plans to expand it to even more cities. So it is really showing how they want the Chinese currency, at least a digital version, to be more widely uh, adopted. And the big plan, of course, is how they want to use the Beijing Winter Olympics to be a platform for not just the local citizens, but also foreign visitors and tourists to use this digital currency. So it's an up for me. Yeah, it's a down for me. You know, the Chinese currency is expected to come under renewed pressure as mainland firms listed in Hong Kong need to swap the renminbi for Hong Kong dollars in order to pay some nearly 68 billion US dollars in dividends. So there you have it. Two different views on the Chinese yen. And now for three quick travel items, Ryan. First up, travel between Australia and New Zealand. Okay, so that is an up for me because today is the day where... Australia and New, Ze- New Zealanders hmm. can get a chance to visit each other. The travel bubble between them takes effect today. So pretty much reflecting how both sides have managed to manage the COVID-19 situation to some fair extent of success. On the other hand, travel to Hong Kong. Okay, so that is a down <laughs> for me because Hong Kong has suspended flights from Pakistan, India and the Philippines from tomorrow for two weeks because... They have detected a COVID-19 strain in Hong Kong for the first time. And these three countries apparently are classified as extremely high risk because of the multiple imported cases of that strain coming to Hong Kong in the past 14 days. Yeah, so the contrast between Australia and Hong Kong, I think, really gives us a sense of how up and down the travel world is right now, right? Finally, Singapore Airlines shares. Okay, so that has actually been going up in the past few months. So in short, it's an up for me. Mm -hmm. So this is off the back of travel bubble, potential um, 
for that to happen down the road. Also looking at some of the recent data around traffic in terms of cargo and also passengers, uh, traffic, that is also painting a picture of the travel industry coming back. So you are looking at Singapore Airlines stocks trading at uh, near their multi-year highs. So this is an up for me. Yeah, I'd say up as well for me. I mean, SIA shares were down last week, but they're still up more than 26% since the beginning of the year. The question is, though, will investors cut and run or will they continue to buy more as more travel resumes? All right, we're now about 25 minutes into the local trading day, 25 minutes past nine. How is Econ Healthcare doing and is it trading above its IPO price? Right, snapshot of Econ Healthcare. We have the offer price at mm. 28 cents and look at opening minutes. We have it right now at 29 cents. So, so far, promising start. The offer price, uh, at least the current price right now, seems to be above the offer price. So, Econ Healthcare off to a promising morning. The Straits Times Index recaptured the 3200 level on Friday. It finished up half a percent at 3201. So Ryan, just how is the Blue Chips Index starting off this week and is it finding support at 3200? We are looking at a good start for the STI. It is now at 3204, so it's up by 0.1%. And a quick snapshot of the STI. Most of them in the green, just four counters in the red and one of them. Hi, Beth. We've been talking about it. They deferred that listing of the spin-off vehicle. is down by 6% so far at $0.70. Cents. SIA, also down. One of those losers is down 2% at $5.29. So it looks like some people are taking profit from SIA. On the flip side, at the top of the table is Yangjiajang Shipbuilding. is up by 4.6% at $1.36. Semcorp Industries just behind by... An increase of 2.6% at $1.99. He's Ryan Huang, I'm Michelle Martin, and you are here on the show where I am all about your money. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.